Welcome everyone to Yanks in Europe. Guillermo, Dave, and I have got a jam-packed episode for you all. The United States throttled Martinique 6-1 to last night and are up against Canada this weekend fighting for first place. First though, we're going to give you some big transfer news. David, if you want to kick us off. Yeah, let's start with uh, arguably a guy that's competing for the number one goalkeeper position uh, for the national team in Ethan Horvath. Uh, good news for him as he has now left uh, his club Brugge in Belgium and he's going to Nottingham Forest over in England in the second division. Uh, I think it's a big move for him. Uh, Brugge was a tough situation for him as he wasn't getting any starting time with him being the primary backup keeper. He had that really cool moment where he got to play in the Champions League and he played really well and helped him win a game. And then obviously just coming in, subbing off the bench uh, against the game in Mexico and being the savior, uh, you know, blocking the pin and extra time was excellent. Uh, th- this is big news. Uh, him He's going to go in, compete for a starting position. And at the end of the day, if he's playing game in and game out and Stefan is still the, like the primary backup at Man City, I think it's going to favor Ethan Horvath because as a goalkeeper, you need playing time. It doesn't matter what, what club you're at. You could be barking, backing up at Barcelona or Real Madrid or Manchester United. But if you're competing against guys who are starting, you know, week game, you know, two, three games a week, uh, you got you got to be on the field. So this is big news for Ethan Uh and I look forward to see, we all look forward to seeing what he does over there. For sure. I, I totally agree with you there. I mean, to kind of go back to his time at Club Brugge, he was in a tough situation there. They probably had the best goalkeeper in the league with, you know, veteran Simone Mignolet uh, starting over there. If it wasn't for him having COVID, we may not have seen Horvath at all. And I bet a lot of United States fans may not even know who he was at the time. Um, and to kind of piggyback on that Zach Steffen note, you know, um, who do you want? Do you want the guy with uh, who's starting sometimes FA Cup games or the guy who's playing in week in, week out for Nottingham Forest? I tend to prefer the guy who's playing every single week. And it was a big issue with what, what you know, we talked about on this episode. We were a little nervous on that Sergino Dest move to Barcelona because was he going to start it right back or was he going to sit on the bench and play 10 games this, this year? Um, and we ended up being wrong there, which, you know, thankfully, because um, I preferred, you know, every single week at Ajax rather than the bench at Barcelona. It en- ends up with, you know, you have to make sure you're getting game time. And I think he probably had a lot, a long discussion with his agent and with Nottingham Forest, making sure that he's going to get a lot more time here than he was in Belgium. I don't think this move would have happened if, um, if, you know, a significant uptick in minutes wasn't going to be happening. Completely agree. And uh, just to carry along with the transfer talk, we also have uh, Tanner Tessman, the midfielder out of FC Dallas, uh, which, you know, that program just continues to produce uh, <laughs> talent going over to Europe now. Uh, just adds on. He's over in Syria now with uh, the club Venencia, uh, newly promoted uh, side in Syria. So big congratulations to him. Uh, fun fact about Tanner Testman: he is the godson of Clemson football coach Dabo Sweeney, and he was uh, never played football before. But Dabo Sweeney had offered him a full ride scholarship to come be a kicker at Clemson, uh, which he ultimately turned down to go. Uh, you know continue in the fc dallas academy he's where he had been since he was 14 so he signed a professional contract whenever the fc dallas and now a year later he's going over uh you know the play in the syria which is pretty pretty cool for him um continue with that uh bustio who has pretty much um it's not completely confirmed but it looks like he will also be he- be heading over there to the syria the same club with tanner testament uh benincia uh which you know United States fans, uh, you know, especially the guys, you know, watching the MLS, people know who Bustio is. He's come onto the scene within the last year. And now he's getting his first chance with the national team. Finally got his first start um, just last night and played excellent. And, in, in, you know, our opinion. 
So that I think that can be huge for him going over there. Uh, I'd love to see him and Tanner uh, play together in the midfield in Serie A. I think that would be pretty cool to see some uh, more Americans over there. Like, I totally know, love it. Yeah. yeah, I love both of those. Um, well, the Bustio transfer, I kind of want to dive into a little bit because of the rumor that he might be heading over there next week to make mm-hmm. this signing possible. Yeah, um, that would mean we'd lose him for the Gold Cup. What are your uh-huh. thoughts on that? I know, Guillermo, you're you're kind of the number one Bustio fan on this podcast. What are your thoughts on him possibly? You know, it's a big signing, big for his career going over to play in Syria, but he'd be uh, leaving the opportunity to, you know, possibly host a host a title uh, in a couple weeks. Um, I think I wouldn't fault him at it. I mean, he's probably going to develop better for um the USA anyways when that happens. So mm-hmm. I'd rather just have him actually do what he needs to be doing and developing himself more. I gotcha. That makes sense. It's yeah. it's great for you know it's great for both of them. I think um it makes the Testman transfer probably a lot easier on him having another American possibly going yeah. over there. Yeah, hundred percent. Um. But yeah, no, I mean, I agree with Guillermo with the, the whole Buzio thing. At the end of the day, it's it, it, that's going to be what's best for his career is going getting over there. Uh, you know, he can play in the Gold Cup. At the, this, it's the Gold Cup at the end of the day. It's not World Cup qualifiers. It's not like, you know, it, yes, it's a big tournament, but it's not, you know, what he's ultimately shooting for. He's ultimately shooting for World Cup qualifying to be on that World Cup roster come next year. So if he thinks this is what's best uh, in his career to, you know, get to that that spot, that's what he's going to do. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I guess so. I don't fault him for it. You know, it's a great opportunity. And I'm very proud to see um, all, all the, these MLS players that are just developing and going over. I think maybe um, an episode in the in the future, we'll probably have to do a FC Dallas starting 11 that's playing in Europe and see uh, what that roster looks like. I think that could be pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a lot of them. But let's take us to our next topic of the day. Um, the throttle, as I called it, of Martinique last night. Um, it started early and it kept going throughout all 90 minutes. Yep. And, you know, I think the man of the hour just continues to be Daryl DK. hundred uh, percent. Even coming before this tournament, you know, all the raves have been about DK uh, over the last year. Obviously he had a, a tremendous loan spell over with Barnsley, uh, almost helping them get promoted to the premier league. Uh, he's back now with Orlando city. He's had a couple goals already at the, for the beginning of the year. And, um, you know, when the Gold Cup roster came out, I think that was the number one name everybody was excited to see was Daryl DK. Uh, you know, Buzio was there, Hoppy was there, but I think everybody's number one guy was, all right, we want to see DK play. We want to see him score goals. We want to see him to become, the, you know, the number one striker for the United States national team. And, th- and that's the thing, like, it's not that he's number one on this roster. It's that he's competing to be the number one on the A team. Um, and, I, and I think he is getting to that point uh, to where – if he can continue come out and produce goals and go, uh, you know, definitely as your number nine, you want to score goals. That's your main thing to do. Uh, so if he's coming out and producing goals every, you know, every single game, I don't see a reason why he shouldn't be the number one striker for the national team. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, you, you got to look on paper who's been performing in the last six months. Cause that's what Berhalter is doing. He's looking at the film and he's looking at who's producing. Um, yep. Out of the last six months, has anybody played as well as Daryl TK at the number nine? That's a United States player. I don't think so. Um, the, you know, there's been a lot of slander on Josh Sargent. He didn't have the best year. Granite Verda Bremen just isn't doesn't all ha- that. Great. Yeah. It doesn't help him. The club situation definitely does not help. Yeah. Him. But the fact that, um, I would honestly say that over the last six months, Matthew Hoppe has had a better six months than, um, mm-hmm. Josh Sargent has. And Matthew Hoppe got and, relegated. And so, probably even at a worse, yeah, a club that's even worse than what, <laughs> I mean, they, uh, they know, went almost a year without although, winning a game. 
Although Schalke did play more exciting soccer than That's Bremen, true. give them they some credit. In. They they would give up, you know, a lot of goals. But at the end of the day, they want to just, you know, sit back like Bremen would play. They would play 10 people back. And Sargent was practically the only, you know, attacking threat for half, you know, majority of the time. Oh, many times we were just watching Sargent run at two center backs. And while he, he is pacey and is very smart with the ball, two on one is two on one. And, he yeah. just, you know, never had the support. Um, I hope to, you know, be talking about a transfer for him sometime in the coming weeks. Uh, Guillermo, do you have anybody that you think um, is winning this striker battle right now? I know I don't want to look too much into a 6-1 win. I know a lot of people often do and think DK scored two goals. He's the man. Like, give him the starting lineup spot. Um, what do you think? Um. I think DK is our best performing striker right now. I mean, he's been playing both both games. He's looked well in both games. Um, Hoppe has just only had one game, so it's kind of hard to say um, if he deserves it or not. But, I mean, he was playing more of a playmaking type striker. Well, I believe probably DK, you could say he's more of the natural striker. Then Hoppe, Hoppe could also be a decent cam or even play a good false nine if needed to. Mm-hmm. I like I like the sound of the false nine or a cam there because I think if uh if there is a spot that the United States maybe needs to figure out who else we can play there it might be a cam um yeah, do you, we don't, is there a spot that a player that you're looking at David a cam because I, I can't think of one that I'm like you know if we need a cam right now um I'm throwing him in there I think Hoppy could do the job possibly no I, I agree because we don't have a first shot uh you know for sure cam um he, I, I would love to see Gio Reno play at Cam. I, I mm-hmm. think he has the ability to do with his creative mindset, but also Gio is really good on the right wing, um, which stinks because you also got Tim Way over there on the right wing also. Um, but we don't really have a Cam when you when you look at it. I mean, when, when, when you know, Berhalter usually likes to come out in that 4-3-3 formation, we have one holding mid and then just kind of two straight-up box-to-box midfielders who can come back and defend. They can come up on attack. We don't really have that one attacking mindset midfielder. And I think Hoppy could potentially be a guy like that with his creative uh, mindset. You just saw the flair in, you know, the the, the past uh, game last night. Uh, uh, um, you know, his just skill set. It, it definitely helps that he's been hanging out with Christian Pulisic over the summer. I think uh, Pulisic's <laughs> been rubbing off on him. Uh, they've been, you know, a lot of beach trips and stuff. So I think uh, Pulisic's been uh, teaching him a thing or two uh, over, you know, over vacation for the summer. But yeah, I, I could definitely see him playing Cam. I think that would be a really good position for him. It's an interesting thing for us to be talking about United States players having a little bit of flair, but I'm not, you know, I'm not upset about it after what, you know, the world cup uh, squads that we've seen over the last, you know, 10, 15 years, I think that's something new um, for the United States. And it's a cool thing to be about. Um, And I do like that hoppy idea. I think, um, you know, we just have a lot of players who who are performing really, really well. Before I dive into the midfielders, another name that we've got to talk about in forwards is, is what Giochini is doing when he gets on the field. Yeah, no, I think Nicholas Giacchini, uh, when you look at all the forwards on this roster, I think he might be the best guy when it comes to making runs, even better. DK is really good at making runs, but I think Giacchini's really impressed me with being in the right place at the right time. He argu- he he very well could have three to four goals already in this He could be the leading scorer games. of the Gold Cup at the moment. And with oh, by only far. playing like a game yeah. and a half. Total? With only playing a game and a half. He, he could have had two or three just last night in about 20 to 30 minutes when he played, and then he probably could have had two um, you know, in the first game, he, he just always seems to be in the right spot. And you can tell he wants it. He wants to score. And it was so, you know, it was satisfying seeing him being able to score at the end of the game in the 90th minute, mm-hmm. um, because you could definitely tell he wanted it. He had so many chances and just hit, hit the post. The keeper makes a great save. Keeper makes another great save. Um, you know, 
defender slide tat, you know, slides into the ball at the last second. Um, so it was really good to see him. But I think I think Jay Cheney has been, uh, you know, excellent when it comes to making runs and getting open. For sure. Uh, so let's take this into the midfield, um, Guillermo. I think this is where your expertise starts to flare a little bit with your boy Busio. Uh, how do you think our midfield performed against Martinique? Um, we've definitely held uh, possession way better than what we did on against Haiti. I think Busio starting created the fact that he could control the whole mid lane. I mean, the whole midfield mm-hmm. by himself, basically. Uh, he was making runs. He was playing defense. He was basically doing it all for us. And that's something you great you want to see from, especially from the young people. I mean, he's only 19. He was even taking our free kicks. And honestly, they weren't looking bad at all. Like, the free kicks, mm-hmm. some were really close. Yeah. So, like, it's really hard to say that he shouldn't be in the lineup because he's too young, but he's proving everybody wrong. Like, he should basically he's, – he's young, but he's playing like he's veteran talent. Like, he's been with that team. He knows how to, what he's doing. Even at such a young age, it's kind of – I want to say it's kind of crazy to even think about it and what he could actually potentially become for the United States. It's pretty scary. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Now, I mean, maybe we shouldn't say too young as a thing with this roster. Uh, just a quick stat from the game against Martinique. Their average age of the starting lineup was 31.9 years and ours was 23 and a half, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. So the average age of their roster was uh, the same age as our second oldest player on the roster. Uh, we were uh, playing I grown believe, men. They, they, I, we were playing grown men out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, believe that what's it called? You know, you had Bello nineteen, Buccio nineteen, then you had Yochini, mm-hmm. who's also nineteen. Those are mm-hmm. three people that are, are nineteen. Yochini, like Lamb said, great potential up there too. You mean if if he becomes, if he plays any as his, his potential sky. I think it's sky high having him and Pulisic on the wings would just be killer and having DK in the middle is just like, it's just a dream to come true for the United States to see something like that up top. For sure, but yeah. for our midfield, I do think our top performer would is Busio. I mean, the whole mm-hmm. time I don't fault anybody else, but I mean, he's just doing everything. He's just basically there doing everything that he's supposed to be doing. And that's what we expect out of everybody. But Boos just taking it on his own hands. I like it. <laughs> I, yeah, I do as yeah. well. Yeah, not to. I just don't want to overshadow. You know, we also did, did have two other midfielders who had really, really good games. David, if you want to talk about Williamson and Roldan. Yeah, no, I thought Eric Williamson played played really well. Also, uh, getting his uh, you know first start into the national team. Um, there was multiple times to where he had the chance to where he could easily pass it back to the center back. And we could have kind of just, uh, you know, passed around the back for another two to three minutes and get Alexi Lawless upset again. Cause he hates passing in the back. Uh, but instead of passing in the back, he actually took it upon himself to, you know, make a move on the, on a defender, like on a Martinique player who really wasn't expecting it. They would expect him to pass it back and he will turn out of pressure and, you know, create open acres of space. Literally. Two, he did that two to three times that, that uh, honestly set, oh, oh, you know, set up a, at least a one goal, maybe two, just him, you know, being able to get into play and his pace was really excellent. I thought he played really well and rolled on. He's never going to be the flashiest player out there. I think we all know that, but at the end of the day, I think he does his job. He had, um, should have had two assists. Still, mm-hmm. still questioning why his his beautiful pass to Zardes was not an assist because Yard. I mean, he practically took one touch and you know shot and it was a goal. So don't know why that wasn't an assist. Um, but Rodon got his first assist in the game. 
um, that's what you want from the midfielder. Um, you mm -hmm. know, assists is typically what you're going to see from the midfield. I think that pairing, that three, Roldan, Williamson, and Busio, I thought they all played well together. Um, it looked lively. I think I would love to see Williamson and Busio, you know, get play in this Canada game. Rodon, we'll see what happens. We could see Rodon. We could see, you know, Sebastian Legette back in the lineup. Um, but I, I think midfield wise, they played, they all played excellent. Yeah, good, for sure. Now, um, do we want to count uh, Bello and Moore as midfielders? Because there's a lot of debate on uh, what kind of formation the United States was technically running. Um, yeah. So I guess I'll use them as a uh, as a bridge to get to our defenders. Uh, Bello mm -hmm. and Moore, I thought they were fantastic. Bello coming in mm -hmm. for the goal scorer in the Haiti match, Sam Vines. And yep. Shaq Moore just, I don't want to say coming out of nowhere to impress the United States fans and the coaching <laughs> staff, but yeah. Did you guys expect what's going on in these first two games? Because I didn't. Um, he was supposed think, to play. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think yeah. Moore's performing <laughs> super crazy. Mm -hmm. It's kind of sucks the fact that he's behind also like four or five more great players in the right <laughs> yeah. back position, which you hate to see someone that's showing so much potential potentially end up getting stuck behind all these people because, yeah. you know, you don't want – but if he's able to flex his position into the left, back or anything no offense mm -hmm. to bellow but you know more probably has him beat mm -hmm. and i think it's he could potentially do better on the left side the way he's been playing just i like the fact that he has an aggressive mindset and he's looking for place to happen while also coming back on defense and keeping that aggression on offense and defense is what's making me like him more and more the more i watch him mm -hmm. what about what do you think lamb yeah, I think he's taken the best of his opportunity. Um, he was not supposed to start in this tournament. I think we all know that. Reggie Cannon was here, who is like our number two right back behind, uh, you know, Sergino Dest. You, Reggie Cannon's already going to be on that World Cup qualifying roster. So there was there was really no need for him to be on this Gold Cup roster, but he probably wanted to. He probably wanted to get some more time. And, you know, there's never anything wrong with that. He was going to be the starting right back. Um, he's been out with hamstring tightness. So the next man up, Shaq Moore. And he has you know, made the most of his opportunity. I think he's been one of the most impressive guys um, through these two games uh, on this, on this team. And uh, his crossing is what I, I, I like the most. His crossing is, is legit um, coming down the right side. I would also, you know, I would wonder if he could play on the left. I don't know how, how good he would be. I don't know what his, you know, left foot crossing would look like. Mm -hmm. I think what makes him so good on the right is that his, his crossing with his strong foot is, is excellent. I, I think his, he, he might, you know, be one of the best, you know, crossers on the team. Uh, he played excellent, and even even Bello, uh, Bello, you know, looked, for a 19 year old, um, he looked good out there. He, you know, there's a couple times out there to where he might have been slow on getting the ball out of his feet, or you know, miss hit the ball here and there. At the end of the day, he's 19. This is his first time playing with the national team. He's going to get more opportunities. It's you know, it's not the end for him. I think we could you know potentially see him play against Canada, or you know, again in this tournament. I think him and Sam Vines. There's not really a clear cut starting left back between them two. I think it's kind of up in the air between who you prefer. Uh, I think Bello is actually the better defender than Sam Vines. I don't think, I think Sam Vines might be attacking wise a little better and a little sharper on the ball. Um, but I think Bello is the better the defender. So it'll be interesting to see who uh, gets to start uh, coming into the Canada game. Yeah. What do you think, David? So I think for, for the, you know, to keep on with the Shaq Moore point, I think if he's going to play in a different position, it's probably right mid um, and maybe mm -hmm. give us a little bit more uh, depth out wide in this tournament but yeah. you know we saw what happened when more came off um at who was at right back so oh yeah thank was, goodness he's on this roster i you know <laughs> uh, kellen acosta had a fantastic game against haiti directing mm -hmm. in the midfield but 
Yeah, How long did. was he on the pitch before uh, getting <laughs> that minutes? penalty? I, I think two minutes. It might have been his first action, honestly. I don't think yeah. he touched the ball <laughs> before he gave up that pin. And it was just like, he got beat. Honestly, I much would rather him just let it go. Let the guy go in on goal. I yeah, think and see would score. I, I think like, Turner. I think Turner could have saved it. Like I think we had a better chance just letting the guy go past Acosta and you know having him one on one with Turner instead of giving up the penalty kick. Um, he, he just got he got caught flat footed. And what it, that, it looked like he tried to grab the guy's gut. Honestly, yeah, <laughs> he just like went for his got, stomach, grabbed a hold, and he, obviously he flopped. Yeah, a little he bit, got but. he got caught flat footed, which is the worst thing you could do as a defender. You always want to be up on your mm-hmm. toes. Um, got caught flat footed, tried to turn around, was too late, got beat. Then he pulls the jersey. The guy did flop a little bit. But at the end of the day, if you got a handful of jersey, it's a it's a yeah. pin. Every, I was hoping it would have been a free kick outside the box because technically he had touched the jersey before the box, but it, it's a pin. I mean, he tried to argue, but there's nothing you could say. Like it, it was just bad all around. Um, I do appreciate how he kind of re- recovered and he was trying he was back into a, an attacking mindset, even playing at right back. He was attacking pretty much the next 10 to 15 minutes, trying mm-hmm. to make up for his mistake. Um, but uh, yeah, unfortunate for Ocasta because he played so well in the first game and he literally comes on for two minutes and gives up the pin and that's like the one goal we give up. I know Matt Turner probably said something to him after that, like, oh, thanks to you, I don't get a clean <laughs> I mean, and if that, him, if that penalty doesn't happen, guess what? We're sitting in first place in this group. Yeah, yeah so, honestly. You know, yeah. Uh, that's like another big thing to add on just about this game before we dive into the three center backs was we were, we were chasing those goals for a reason. Canada had won both games by three, so their goal differential mm-hmm. was six. We're sitting here on five, so we have to beat Canada on uh, on Sunday in order to win. Yeah, this. to get yeah get first place. Yeah, because yeah. technically we're second right now behind you know one goal difference. <laughs> I I do think uh, we'll end up taking it against Canada, but before we get there, uh, a strong performance from all three center backs. Obviously, being that the only goal that we gave up came from a penalty given away by our right wing back. Um, standout for me, I don't think it's really all that um, that much to talk about is James Sands. Um, I've been. Wanting this guy to get on the field for the United States for a long time, David, you know that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's had injuries. Um, he's still yeah, only 21. And, yep. but you know, his first opportunity, he is taking it. Um, I've mentioned that he's just really good on the ball, can play center defensive mid, can play center back. And, you know, it's just, if we need to pass out the back, he's doing it. Am I wrong? No, I, I think he looked excellent. And then nothing against uh, Zimmerman, who, you know, captained the team. He looked good. Miles Robinson obviously got a goal. That's always excellent as a center back getting a goal. Um, but I think James Sands looked the best out of all three of them. And I think if you if you want to play a three-back Ross, uh, three-back look, uh, potentially five-back with the wingbacks, I think Sands could potentially be that guy. I know uh, the national team is always talking about, oh, we barely even have two center backs. It is to a certain extent, but I think I think if you're gonna if you could play three back, I think James Sands could potentially be a guy that you could play with his ability to play off of that because he is a hybrid center back slash CDM. Um, his passing was incredible. Uh, I know he, you know, through the first half, I believe he had the most touches on the ball, and I think at the end of the game, he was probably in you know third and fourth on the team. Um, you know, the guys had a couple more touches, but Sands was by far a standout to me. His physicality, I, I really have not seen too much of him. I know you raved about him all the time, especially, you know, he's coming from New York City. Uh, he, are, isn't he the first uh, uh, homegrown player mm-hmm. to come from, you know, go, come through New York City? Yeah, FC he was their first. Uh, in their 20, first yeah, in 2017. It's been a long time coming. He, he had a broken foot. He's been out with injuries. He's finally getting his chance. And that this is another guy that's making the most of his opportunity. Like we talked about with Eric Williamson in the midfield. I think James Sands 
uh, in his first start made a big impact. And I think he was the best defender on the field for, yeah. for the team. He continues to average above 90% passing. That's just what he does. And fingers Excellent. crossed that we yeah. have our hands on the next Javier Mascherano. Cause that would be something, uh, yeah. but uh, Guillermo, what are your takes from the uh, defenders? I think Bello was pretty well. I like the fact that he played, like I said, I like the young kids. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I love Sam. Sands played well. I think he is someone that we should try to look out for, maybe even have a chance of moving on up. Um, you know, he's still young. He's still learning. He has the height. He has everything going for him. So I know he was probably our – he was playing more of a defensive mind. I know he was lacking behind the other two center backs. Mm-hmm. So he looked kind of like he's doing a sweeper position instead of like an actual center back position. Mm-hmm. But overall – he performed to what you ex- what you want out of him. I'd rather say, not expect. Like you want this kid to perform, and this is just setting his expectations higher and higher. And I, I think a game against Canada, he's starting a hundred percent. The question I have for, I guess in general for either of you guys would be, what do you think with Cannon coming back? Do you try more at left back, or do you? start him or do you start um Kenan? that's that's a big um a big thing that i think uh burhalter is trying to go through right now i mm-hmm. think um if you're just going by the two games i think bello has earned the spot at left back so i wouldn't move more um but if we're liking the way more is playing i do think him going just take out rolled on and put more there and if you want Cannon to play he plays right back Mm-hmm. Or right wing back, excuse me. I just I think that could work. It would give us a little bit more um, more ball movement on the wings because I think uh, if there was I don't want to say a flaw, but if there was something about that roster, it was very centrally outside of the fact that we had um, Bello and Morris right wing back and left wing back. And if we want to bring it out a little bit more and have more options of people being crossers rather than just our defenders, that could be something. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your takes on that, David? Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a bad idea, especially with Ariola being out right now with, with, you know, being hurt. We don't know if he'll be back for the Canada game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what you're going to get with, with Roldan. Um, you know, like we've mentioned, he's not the flashiest player, but at the, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to do his job. He's a, you know, good passer on the ball. He's very but, smart. Um, I, I, I think, thing. I think if Cannon is healthy, there's no reason he should not be starting. I know Shaq Moore has been playing excellent and it would be a shame to have to bench him for Reggie Cannon. But at the end of the day, Reggie Cannon is, you know, um, number two on the depth chart when it comes to right back. He, he's he's already on that World Cup qualifying roster. If you're playing Canada, which is going to be the biggest game of this three, when your best player is one of your best players on the roster is healthy, he's going to start no matter what. Um, I would love to see more potentially play like that right mid position, right wing position. I think that could work really well, him and uh, Cannon playing together because Cannon also has that attacking mindset. I think they could work really well together. Um, but it'll be it'll be interesting to see what uh, you know Burhalter um, is thinking coming into this Canada game on Sunday. Yeah, I yeah. think if he's not starting, if Cannon doesn't start, I think it might be because he's not fully fit. Yeah, that would be my only thought. A second, he can be a second half sub. Yeah, I, I agree on that. What um one takeaway from the last two games for USA that I have seen is our right side is great, but you know our left side still pretty well. I mean, the first touch we had over there was. Uh, it led to a goal. That was the first mm-hmm. goal that we had uh, mm-hmm. against Martinique. So yeah. I think we should try to play more for the left side as well. I mean, mm-hmm. not just push it down the throats on the right. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at it, it's like 90, 80% of the time right yeah. side. But 
Like I said, we had that one play left. Bello put, um, I believe he was a, or Hoppe crossed it from the left side. Mm-hmm. DK went in, and that was the first goal we had. And after That's that, they DK just they, <laughs> they were just like I, I don't I don't want to say confused, but they were probably thrown off. Like oh, you know, mm. they're probably trying to play for the left side now. So now that yeah. we open up our chances on playing on both sides and showing them that we can actually play for both sides, mm-hmm. it helps out our team overall. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I completely agree. And um, just so you know, kind of to finish uh, rounding up these you know two games we've seen, uh, David, who has if you had to name one forward, one midfielder, and one defender who has impressed you the most uh, through these two games, who are your guys? Who who's impressed you the most if you had to name one? So, I I don't think DK has really. I don't want to say DK because. I he's I'm getting exactly what I expected out of DK. I, I knew what he was at. Hundred um, percent. No, I agree. Yeah. So we for me, it would do. it would probably be hopping um, because I really just liked how um, how he played. I kind of like got on him a little bit uh, towards the end of the season last year because he had his three goals and then he kind of like you know quieted for the rest mm-hmm. of the season with their relegation. So yeah. I think he performed extremely well. Midfielder, yeah. I think it's obviously Busio. Um, just mm-hmm. you know. Home field advantage might be helping him a little bit, um, <laughs> but he's done fantastic. And in defense, uh, I'm, I obviously want to say Sands, but Shaq Moore is, has definitely been the one um, that's, you know, the surprise, yeah. not just me, everybody. A um, big surprise. Yeah. yeah. And it's been fantastic to watch, but you know, I'll give Sands, uh, I guess one B on that position, M- mainly yeah. because Moore's played more. Yeah, I agree. Guillermo, what are, what are your thoughts? What are your guys? Uh, my forwards will probably be Yochini. I think mm-hmm. even though Hoppe has performed, I mean, you can see what the difference between these two guys are. They're both playmakers, but I think Yochini has more of that mentality that he wants to score. Like, I mean, it's not bad to have a first pass mentality like Hoppe, but it's mm-hmm. I think it's good to have both. Um, yeah. I think Yochini carries both of them, and he is – a bit younger, so I feel like he would learn more on what to do in those type of situations as well. Yeah. Um, midfield. I like Busio. Like I said, you guys know I like I like Busio, but I want to give it to try to talk about other players, but there's just no other players performing at his level as well. I think he should be one of the persons that have improved or shown what he's capable of just in general, which is crazy at his age, but He's outperforming people five years, three years, four years older than him that have already played with a squad. I mean, against Martinique, he got his first assist, so congratulations to him in general. And then for defense, just for because of a, it's a, more of a team need, I will have to give it to Sands over more just because of a team need-wise. I mean, we have, mm-hmm. like I said, five right backs. He feels a very we're big still lacking. Yeah. yeah. That's the only reason why I will give it to Sands over more, but – I think they're both honorable mentions. Deserving. Yeah, deserving. yeah, yeah. It's it's unfortunate because Moore is arguably what the, the fifth guy on the right back depth chart, um, <laughs> which which is awful with how how well he's been playing. It's just unfortunate that that position is kind of stacked for our national team. Uh, when it comes to me, like a forwards, I, I kind of want to go like a one A one B, but I'm gonna go with Guillermo uh, with Giacchini. Hop Hoppe did play really really well uh, this this you know this past game. He looked excellent on, on the ball. Um, but I agree with with uh, what Guillermo says. Uh, I think Giacchini has more of a striker's mindset. I think his runs that he makes is by far the best on this roster. No no offense to DK or Hoppy. I think they make really good runs too. But I think Giacchini's always in the right place. Like we talked about earlier in the episode, he very well could have, you know, four to five goals already in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, midfielders, boost, 
I, you know, obviously everybody's talking about Busio, but I, I want to give a, a shout out to Eric Williamson. I think with his first start last night, he played really, really well. Um, he did excellent with, you know, running the mid with Busio, um, you know, creating a physicality in there. And uh, like I said earlier, turning out of pressure and, you know, creating open lanes in the midfield for them to run to, you know, give give the forwards chances to get in behind. I think I'll give it to Williamson. And then when it comes to the defense, I'm going to go with, with Sands. Um, I think, like Guillermo said, center back is definitely a need for the national team right now. So I think Sands right now is, is what's impressed me the most when it comes to the defense. Yeah. Before we, um, we, uh, not Anthony, before we go on to that Canada quick preview, one more thing I wanted to add on Sands. I don't know if you guys caught it, but all of the corner kicks that we took, and we took a lot of corner kicks against Martinique, I think it was 15. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we had Zimmerun and we had Robinson in the box. Sands was back waiting for any kind of counterattack mm-hmm. that could have came back. And every single ball that was pushed forward, he was on it. And there was no chance. Like, and I kind of just like, like that out of a center back instead of them going forward. Because you'd normally see a center defensive mid, center mid. That's that player back right there. I like that it's mm-hmm. our passing or, or strong passing center back. I think that's a good spot. Yeah, 100%. But now to uh, kind of move it on to our last topic here. This Canada game is huge on Sunday, five o'clock uh, on Fox. So anybody who wants to catch it, it's going to be, you know, on the local channel, which would be awesome. Um, what are your guys uh, takes from it? What do you think is going to happen? Um, any, you know, big major uh, changes that you could see in the lineup or you think we'll see something close to what we've been seeing? We've seen two totally different rosters. So what do you think? Yeah. Uh, I would hope we would see something similar to what we just saw last night uh, going with the, uh, I don't know, you want to call it a five back slash three back. With, with the wing backs, I want to see the three center backs. I think that look, works really well. I think Sands is definitely a big difference maker. Uh, when it comes to uh, up top, I would love to see Hoppy, Giacchini, and DK all out there together. I don't know if it will happen. Um, in the in the midfield, I think you need to see Busio. Um, I think Legette and then Williamson would be my three for the midfield. I think that's a good setup. What do you think, Guillermo? Mm-hmm. I would say probably uh, the same thing. Maybe if we try to run the same formation we ran against Martinique, mm-hmm. I will probably try to say let's give the rest to DK and start Yachini there just okay. to give um, a him rest for um, the group stages afterwards. you got to make sure he's all ready. Right. I mean, I'm not saying he might be, but we can just give him to see how – give Yachini the start, see what he can do. I mean, we know what he, we know what um, DK can perform, what he can do. So let's give another guy a chance. I know it's a huge game. And, you know, yeah. if Yachini's not performing, you can always throw DK in for the last 40 minutes or 30 minutes, and he could potentially get you that goal that can win you the game or yeah. just, you know, tie it or whatever. Mm-hmm. For sure. it's And we're in a little bit of a weird situation, in my opinion, with the fact that we're in Group B and we're trying to play, I don't want to say to avoid Mexico in the semifinals, because obviously you want to play the best team in the final. That's just how tournaments yeah. work. But we're in Group B, and Group A plays – after group B on Sunday, even though throughout this group stage thus far, A is played first. So we don't know if Mexico is going to win the group um, over El Salvador until later that day, which is a little odd. Um, anybody wants to check that out, that's 10 o'clock at night, Mexico against El Salvador. Winner that wins the group. Whoever, well, if it ends in a draw, El Salvador will win the group. If Mexico wins, they win the group. It, it's, you know, kind of complicated situation there. We could have played it a little differently. Let's say if we know that Mexico's on this side of the bracket or on that side of the bracket, I, I think it um, draws up a little bit of confusion here. 
Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. If if I had to go with it, um, I I would you know DK being on the bench and potentially being subbed in would be, um, you know I think that could be good for him, giving him some rest. I think Hoppy and Giacchini up top that would be a deadly duo. Um, I mm-hmm. think they could work really really well together. I would love to see that happen. Um, but last thing, final score. What's the score predictions for everybody for Sunday? David, you go first. So I think Canada is going to come in and play it really safe. Um, and I think we have the ability to do that as well. Both teams are already in. Um, I think each team probably scores, but I think we'll catch one late. We'll go for it last 10, um, last 10 minutes and get the goal. So two, one, one. is that two, one. Okay. Guillermo, what's your score? I want to say I have two, two predictions, two, I say three, one or two nil USA wins. Uh, I think Yochini gets another goal this time around. And maybe Hoppe gets his actual the gold he he's been waiting for this whole time. Got you, awesome. Uh, for me, I'm gonna go with a three-one USA win. I think I think Canada might come out and score the first goal of the game, and that's gonna light a spark under under uh, the USA. And I think uh, hopefully having Hoppe and Giacchini and DK those three guys up top, I think they're gonna be able to help produce at least two of those three goals, if not all three. I like yeah. it. I hope all of our, I hope one of them comes true because that would mean we win the group. Yeah, but I, you know, thank you so much, everybody, for listening. Once again, we've been Yanks in Europe, and we will catch you all after this hopeful Canada victory. See ya. <laughs>